morning crypto. Good morning, warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got Gonzo the Crypto Goliath, also known as Super G, joining us on this Monday. Andrew Cashflow, also known as the Cashflow King. And we got Jackie the Crypto Juggernaut, who's going to be joining us any minute. So I'm very excited for this episode. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how Dallas Mavericks owner is bullish on NFTs, claiming that this technology will revolutionize several unexpected industries. As former Google CEO is the latest billionaire backing crypto, choosing to support a project that may surprise our listeners. Coinbase users were blocked from payments this weekend, while Solana was down for over six hours, logging its eighth network outage since inception. Rosie Rios explains why she chose Ripple and how her company intends to change the world, while Gary Gensler is on a media campaign, taking the time to talk about Kim Kardashian while the banks are collapsing. Renowned author Robert Kinosaki is changing his sentiment on Bitcoin, stating that as the dollar collapses, this crypto will rise and how now is the greatest time in human history. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So first of all, Gonzo, I got to give a shout out to Johnny Crypto. Johnny Crypto, he had a last second meeting, so he's not here today, but I know he'll appreciate that I shouted him out. So sending you love, Johnny K. Gonzo, how you feeling this morning? And thank you for making time for us, my friend. How was your weekend? Um, it was great. It was outstanding, man. I got to spend some time with the, with the family, with Shelly and her mom and stuff. Uh, got to do some stuff for Merlin. That was cool. Uh, and then just took, uh, you know, a little bit of time off, uh, you know, away from the charts and stuff like that. But, you know, back on it. Uh, appreciate everybody that's here. Good morning. Uh, you know, I was having this conversation with my mother-in-law and with Shelly, and we're just so grateful and so appreciative. Like we have our loyal listeners and viewers that come every day. Uh, and we just appreciate you so much, every every single one of you, and we love you, and and just thank you. And you know, we're going to continue to bring you as much content as we can. And speaking of that content, Gonzo, we've got some insane Ripple XRP news talking about how the CFTC they met with Brad Garlinghouse, then traveled over to England to specifically talk about CBDCs. So we're going to dive into that later in the episode. But we got Andrew Cashflow in the building. Andrew, always excited to see you. How are you feeling this morning? Hey guys, how are you doing? Listeners and watchers, how are you doing? Um, yeah, good afternoon from the Netherlands. Good morning uh, for you there in the in the US. I had an excellent weekend. I went together with uh, Jolien. Uh, we went to a small city in the Netherlands and there they were, which is pretty normal here, but I know for, for people abroad not, but they are building houses on the water, float, floating houses and, you know, and even they cost a fortune. So, but it's so beautiful there. And uh, so uh, we saw a lot of water and a lot of boats. And uh, yeah, it's uh, if you have the time, come visit Netherlands. It's, so 2025, uh, people, if you're looking for a place to visit and a place to find Andrew Cashflow, he just told you where he's going to be. But we got 124 live listeners already joining us on this Monday. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're going to start this thing the same way we always do by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. At 3TGM Crypto on Twitter, you get access to every single member of our team. We're at 800, 1,870 followers. Can't wait to break 2K, so go smash that follow button. The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is still an extreme fear, and we've been here for several months. So I'm going to skip right past this and get into the total coin market cap. We are sitting at $938 billion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 40% dominance. Ethereum is about 17%. 
We've got Bitcoin sitting at 19,400. Ethereum is 1,300. XRP is 45 cents. Cardano is 42 cents. Polygon is about 80. But what I'm excited to see is Quant because we got some big price action this weekend and we're still getting some great price action, almost holding that $140 range. Gonzo, before we dive into our articles today, what are some of the projects that you're keeping an eye on? And maybe feel free to address Quant if you'd like. Um, you know, I, I was waiting for Quant to, to get down uh, a little bit lower before I start DCAing. But uh, what I did, you know, I did my normal DCA, which is into a uh, Filecoin link. You know, we're going to talk about link later. Uh, Matic. Uh, what was the other one I got? Filecoin, Matic. Uh, I can't think of the Maybe other one. But what, you know, uh, no, I didn't do HBAR because I, I tried to put a little bit more into each of the other ones instead of like splitting it up. But um, what I was paying attention to, and this, and I talked about this in the chat, I think it was on Friday, um, where if you take a chart of the DXY, right, and we know that the DXY is the works as a counterbalance to Bitcoin, right? So if you invert the DXY uh, and you put it on the same chart as Bitcoin, these last few months, we've been moving around the same, right? It's showing the same trend. And what happened last week, was that um, there was a separation point where Bitcoin went sideways and the DXY continued to go up, right? And so I thought that was pretty interesting because it kind of reinforces, not reinforces, but just an indicator of that we're maybe close to a bottom, right? We keep talking about that. We'll see what happens with the eclipses and stuff. Yep. But um, it's just showing how strong Bitcoin actually is compared to what's going on in the macro, right? Because with the DXY continuing to pump, um, it should have continued to go down, but it didn't, it held. Now, whether that's the bulls holding the line or the whales holding the line or, or what what have you, but that, that kind of 18,000 and 19,000 level has been really, really strong. We needed to get up above 19.5. And I think we're above that right now. So I wouldn't be surprised if we do get a little relief. If you look at the uh, VPVR on the side, um, if we do get some bullish price action, um, we could quickly go up to 20,000. Uh, and yeah, so we'll and that's what, what everyone's anticipating. Gonzo, you brought up something very interesting, which is that as the dollar collapsed, Bitcoin was able to hold its hold its value, right? And everyone goes back to the old adage that is Bitcoin deflationary. Andrew Cashflow, that's my question I have for you right now. We have an article from Robert Kinasaki talking about how when these markets collapse and the Fed turns the printing press back on, crypto assets are going to be the ones that actually are the most profitable. What are you anticipating over this next few months? I mean, the Robert Kiyosaki, I, I like him very much. And he is he is so absolutely right that what's happening currently, Gonzo already said it, Bitcoin is going more or less horizontal and the DXY is going up and up and up and up, you know, and there is some volatility there. But however, also keep in mind, if you see the DXY in August uh, 2001, and also compared to the DXY in March 85, which is long term time ago, we are not at the highest points yet. So, and, and it does mean yeah. if, if, if the DXY is still going up, yeah, everything else plummets. The Canadian dollar plummets, the Australian dollar, the euro, the Great Britain pound, the, the yen, everything plummets. And you know what's happening in the Netherlands? It feels like I'm in a banana republic. We had an inflation last month of 17.1% in the Netherlands. It's 
It's insane. It's almost Energy. unbelievable, Andrew. If you had said that Energy. to somebody back in 2018, they wouldn't even believe you. Yeah. Energy, 130%. Uh, food, 10%. Services, 6%. So it's it has never been that high. And yeah, what can you what can you do? Keep smiling. Make sure you make a lot of money and uh, keep keep uh, keep yeah doing your life. If you look at the chart of the DXY, I mean, it looks like one of the like a straight up meme coin, right? It's like parabolic, right? And it can't go up forever. Although I think the our next major like resistance level could be like where we be doing some astronomical things is 120, right? I think we're like at 114. Uh, but it does look like it's going to correct a little bit, but like people are asking about what the DXY is, you know, the reason why the dollar's pumping and the rest of all the other currencies are being crushed is because, um, everyone's moving their money into the dollar. Right. So it's just like when people FOMO in and then a crypto goes parabolic, you're just seeing that with the DXY, but what happens when something goes parabolic, eventually they sell off and then we come crashing back down. And so exactly that, gone. So when anybody. For. Anyone who's looking to learn more about this exact chart we're showing now, Coach JV broke this down in his video from this morning. So go check that out. He breaks down exactly what Gonzo just said. Anything that goes up parabolically, it needs to come down. And the DXY is waiting to do so. We got 170 live listeners joining us. We're about to show you a very nefarious, a very nefarious video from Gary Gensler talking about how he went after Floyd Mayweather, DJ Khaled, and Kim Kardashian. So we're going to talk about if his priorities are in check. But first... Let's let this clip play, and then we'll get some comments from the group. Here we go. Why you brought this case and why you settled it. Um, thank you, Andrew. It's good to be with you. Look, Congress passed a law many decades ago called the Securities Act, and it was to protect the public. And part of that law said that if you tout a stock, you need to disclose not only that you're getting paid, but also the amount so the source and the nature of those payments. And so this was to protect the public when folks, and this law was passed in the 1930s. We brought these types of cases over the, the decades, but even in the last five years with regard to crypto, it's really important that the public understand if somebody is touting a crypto security token uh, that uh, are they getting paid and how much are they getting paid? Of course, we all agree with this sentiment. But one of the things that catches my attention is this what really what the SEC needs to be focusing on right now. With everything going on in this space, we are on this major news. CNBC, we're talking about Kim Kardashian promoting a project. She got $250,000. I think we all agree she should have disclosed that she was promoting this thing. But I don't think this is what people want to hear from Gary Gensler. Gonzo, I'd love to go to you. But we're going to start off with Andrew Cashflow here because Andrew... We know you've had some background with Gary. What do you think's going on? What do you think about this video? I think Gary is trying to get um, 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 more and more positive feelings from the audience. And because of uh, putting those celebrities in, then it looks like he he, he trying to get more connection with with with, with the normal human beings. So to to save his yeah maybe to save his ass. Because he is seeing he is losing the case. And now he's pulling everything to him. So, yeah. And maybe you call it a charm offensive. In a, but that, that's, I think, what it... And it, and it has nothing to do with, with XRP. And he makes examples and uh, comparisons. You know, it's fun. It is, uh, yeah, it's uh, boulevard uh, uh, news. You know, celebrity news. Yeah, you know, he... 
It's an easy cash grab for him, right? He understands they're public figures. They don't like negative publicity. So they're going to settle. They're not going to draw out some case, right? And they've got the money. So they're just going to pay it. And and we were talking about this this morning, Abs. When he's talking, he's like hella smug. And like, you could just see what his energy is, right? He's not taking care of what he's supposed to be taking care of. This is just a kind of social media publicity thing so that, like uh, Andrew was just saying, so that the SEC could look good, that they, you know, hey, look, we went after these guys and, uh, you know, we did it for you and, you know, we got some money. But it's a publicity grab for him to make it look like the SEC is competent. But in reality, it just looks more incompetent, right? It looks more desperate to me, more incompetent. He looks very smug and you could just see what his energy is all about and it's not good. Thank you, Gonzo. And we're about to dive into some more positive news. We're going to end the Gary Gensler talk real early today because former Google CEO, a man worth over $16 billion, says that one Ethereum-based altcoin may have a massive lead over its competitors, and that would be Chainlink. So formal Google boss Eric Schmidt says that Chainlink has superior technology and a leg up on its competitors in this industry. At SmartCon 2022, he said that tech giants in the early 2000s were able to capture their niche before everyone else, effectively getting ahead of their rivals. At the end of the day, the companies that won Web 2.0 were better technologies, and these are network businesses. So once you get a little bit ahead, it's very difficult to catch up to the person ahead of you. In Chainlink's case, because they were early and very smart, obviously, they got to this space first. And I think that in Web 3, you're going to see the same dynamic play out that happened in Web 2. He went on to say that many of the same attributes that made the tech giants of the last couple decades apply to what Chainlink is doing today. They have better technology, it scales better, and speaking as a computer scientist, they've got the correct architecture to scale from 10 users to 10 million users. And most of these systems, well, they seem to fall short for that specific reason. Gonzo, I'd love to start with you. We had the major, major news from Swift announcing that they were going to be collaborating with Chainlink to facilitate payments. Now we've got the Google CEO, former Google CEO, worth over $16 billion talking about how Chainlink has a leg up on its competitors. Why do you think he's coming out now and saying this, and how do you feel about Chainlink? Could this be a a global dominant currency? Yeah. I mean, I I think he's spot on. Um, You know, when you look back at the, at the the tech boom in in the two thousands, it was not just the first mover advantage, like what he's talking about, but it was the ones that found their niche, right. Or uh, they, what we talk about, they solved the problem, right. And they were the first ones to do it. Um, Cause it's not just about the tech, but the tech's really good, but it's also, we talk about this is the adoption. You need that adoption. And how do we rate link when it comes to adoption? Well, all you got to do is see their partnerships, right? Look at all the partnerships. If, if you show that uh, diagram of link that, you know, it's floating around the internet and it shows all the different partnerships right now, they're kind of like the only Oracle in the game. If you don't know what link does link provides um, real-time data to blockchains, right? Because blockchains can't do that for themselves. So whether it's an exchange, whether it's a weather app, uh, the gambling apps, um, anything that needs live data feeds, that's what Link provides, right? And they're the only game in town right now. Um, and I think they're going to continue to grow, right? We talked about that last week, the partnership with Swift, but that's why we've been talking about Chainlink uh, for like months now in our community. And we've been waiting for the price to come down to dollar cost average. I do think like I, I've been DCAing a little bit of time every two weeks, but I do think that we could come down e- uh, even more, like maybe 50% from where we're at now. Right. It, looking at the chart 
Um, if Bitcoin decides to come down like we think it's going to, you know, you could see uh, a three to four dollar link. But like I said, I'm going to continue to DCA all the way down. Thank you, Gonzo. And we were showing that list of partnerships. We had some of the biggest names on the planet, JP Morgan, IBM, Microsoft, the list goes on and on. Andrew Cashflow, when I think about Chainlink, I often used to mistake it before I truly understood what it was as a competitor to Quant. But we broke that down last week, how Quant actually has a separate function of Chainlink. So what did you think about the SWIFT news? And how do you feel about the Google CEO publicly promoting this currency? Yeah, you know, um, I think you, you, mean, uh, you mean Chainlink. I'm already in Chainlink. I discovered it in, I just looked it up in September um, um, 2019. Then that's, that's where I bought it the first time. And what I see, I see a lot of volatility there in, in the graph, but still they just keep going on. You do not hear much exciting uh, uh, outages or other stuff. So what these people really understand very well, you know, I'm, I was also in, in my working career, I always was, was a software engineer. And so they understand the principle of make it work, make it safe and make it fast and scalable. And that's the three steps they are doing. And they are doing it very well. They do it quietly. And you know, the price of Chainlink goes up and up, 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 up uh, oh, goes everywhere. But still the trend is up. And I think it's an extremely good project for the future. And they, they are building a basis now that even, yeah, they get the attention of all those big players. So excellent team. I want to give a shout out to Selman G this morning, Gonzo, because he says, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And when you look at who Chainlink is working with, it comes back to the same thoughts that I have with the Ethereum Alliance. Many of the largest companies on the planet, specifically tech companies, are financially incentivized for this currency to succeed, right? If Chainlink goes up, a lot of these companies are going to directly profit off that. So it doesn't surprise me at all that the Google CEO or the former Google CEO is promoting this. What are some of your closing remarks here, Gonzo? No, just uh, like when you look at the tech side, they're highly scalable. It seems like they already were taking that into consideration. Like the article says, whether it's 10 users or 10 million, you have to start laying that foundation early on so that you don't have problems like we're going to talk about Solana, right? Um, where they had another outage. Uh, but I think these guys are, are, are doing it the right way. Um, you know, tech is going to be tech, right? There, there might be something that comes that's even better. And when you look at history, it's not always the best tech that always wins, but we keep going back to the same thing, which is adoption, right? Is There's a, a point where a tipping point where things are adopted and then it goes into the mainstream and Chainlink is kind of making its way, right? Because of the partnerships, because it's the only game in town right now, um, it might end up becoming one of the Amazons of the future. I love that, Gonzo. And we got 222 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're showing you a breakdown of exactly why Chainlink is going to be so important. And look at the number of projects in this ecosystem. They've got over 1,500 active projects using Chainlink today, as well as facilitating over $6.1 trillion in value over these last couple of years. So Andrew Cashflow, I'd like to get some closing remarks here. Somebody said that when they're DCAing into this market, they're considering a consolidation project of course, not financial advisors, not financial advice. But how do you think about this comment here? Why would it make sense to limit the projects to DCA in? I'm thinking of just focusing on XRP at these prices. Let's forget about the individual project. When you're DCAing, how many projects do you choose to go into at any particular time, Andrew? <laughs> you know, there are several things. You always say two to five hundred dollars. 
So especially for the small projects. So you buy a little bit, and then if it goes down, you buy a little bit more, and if it goes down, you buy even a little bit more. Um, they are all startup companies. You have to see it that way. So what is the strategy to invest in a startup company? Nine out of 10 go bust after a while. So what do you need to do? You do need at least, you have to invest in 10. So if there is one out of 10, is okay. So that goes to the, to the moon, or at least will compensate for all the others if you did not have to or, or spend too much money in it. So you can do 10, you can do 20, you can do 30. And what's important is if it goes up in the next bull run, try to get out your own money. So if it goes up, uh, uh, for example, 100%, take out 20% of your money. And if it goes another 100% up, take again out 20% of your money. And by the time you've done that several times, you are you have a free runner and then you can park it somewhere on a, on a ledger and let it sit there forever and then you will see what happens in the future so that is what how i would say that's how you invest in uh, in uh, yeah in in, the, in those small cryptos thank you andrew and one of the things i thought that you said was so important is that most of these projects fail so how can we minimize our risk in this market this is one of the things that I'm doing. I'm looking at the projects that I know have global connections to our no new financial system, whether it's Chainlink with all the technology connections, Quant with all the financial connections, XRP with the banking institutions. The list really, really does go on and on. But let's get into some more important news for today because we have so much cool stuff lined up for you guys. And the next thing I want to show you is a video of Rosie Rios breaking down exactly why she chose to work at Ripple, stating that XRP was built to change the world. So we're going to let this short clip play, then get some comments from the group. Here we go. I chose Ripple. I have a lot of options, but I chose them because they have a functional role. So they facilitate the payments. It's one of their functions with XRP. Um, so it's not just a floating asset out there. They actually have a purpose, right? And so, so you know, that was it was the right choice for me. Someone else might have. So I'm in the XRP choice. army. Okay, yay, you know, excellent, I, excellent. I'm a, I'm a firm believer of the utility <laughs> component. Excellent. And hopefully, this thing going on right now, the SEC will go away soon. I think, I think what what President Biden's executive order that he announced in March to have this kind of reconnaissance of digital assets for this calendar year is an important one. It may not get to very specific recommendations, but I think the best you're going to hope for, at least today, is at least a path forward. Sure. How do you start these conversations? How do you, you know, the one of my favorite phrases that you'll hear me quote all the time is the train's already left the station. The train has already left the station, Gonzo. I'm going straight to you there. Rosie Rios dropped like 15 gems in that only 50 second clip. But two of the things that I focused on is she chose Ripple because of the real world utility and the train has left the station. What do you see when you watch this clip? Yeah, it makes me super bullish, not just on XRP, but on Ripple, right? If you have an opportunity to invest in Ripple. Um, but, you know, the the knock on crypto is like, well, what does it solve? What does it do, right? When we get people that are in the space or don't know about the tech, but it's one of the, the biggest use cases, right? XRP is, right? We know that there is an issue with the way that they send money, a very outdated system, and this is the fix for it. Um, when you add that on top of we're about to get some clarity, right? With the SEC lawsuit, the one thing that we got uh, or that we're going to get is clarity, right? And that's what the market likes. That's what institutional money wants. They don't want to go foul of the SEC. So they want clarity. So that's why, you know, Bitcoin is number one. Ethereum, sometimes we get 
it's a commodity. Sometimes you get security depending on if you're talking about the CFTC or Gary Gensler, right? But with XRP, it'll be the only other one that has very clear uh, what it is. And that opens up the floodgates um, for institutional money to come in, right? And, and then you add that with the real use case of what it does and what it solves. Uh, it just makes me super bullish. Now, don't don't get crazy, right? We're still in the bear market. I'm not sitting here saying, oh my God, XRP is going to 589, right? Like you see all that stuff. We're still in the bear market. You still have to look at, um, you know, the amount of liquidity that goes into it. And we're still, you know, some years away, but we are going to get some, some really good price action once this lawsuit um, gets settled and they start listing them on um, exchanges, right? But we're not going to 589. We're not, we're not doing that. But we're going to get some good price action. Unfortunately, we may be a ways from 589, but one of the things people should know is that Rosie Rios, her signature is on every single blue hundred dollar bill that exists today. So when you talk about a prominent figure in the financial markets, there doesn't get there really aren't much bigger names than Rosie Rios. And she said she had an abundance of options to choose from and she chose Ripple. So that really is significant. I'd like to get some closing remarks from Andrew Cashflow. I have some pointed highlights from that speech she just gave. Cross-border payments, Ripple is the right choice, crypto is here to stay, and of course, the train has left the station. What's on your mind, Andrew? Utility, utility, utility. It's insane how much utility uh, uh, the XRP ledger can, can provide to the world, not only for international payments, but also look at the whole, whole NFT space. There is a whole the, the, the XRP ledger there is so much functionality that can be built there. And, and of course, the, the major killer application for XRP will be, of course, the international payments and, uh, and the replacement of the, of the ISO, uh, current ISO system. But yeah, and then what, what Gondo says, um, imagine if XRP will one day relist it on several exchanges, for example, on Coinbase. Yeah, it's fast in your seatbelts and be ready to sell at that moment. You I know? love that, Andrew. And that's a great so, place so to go. Let oh, it go up and start selling on the way up because it goes up as a rocket, but it will also go, come down again as a rocket. And then it will go normal up. So I'm, I'm so much looking forward to that moment. Me too. And there's another hint at that moment right here, Andrew, as we're showing our listeners something very cool in connection to the CFTC and Ripple XRP. So this person tweeted out, I'm not sure this has gotten as much attention as it deserves as the commissioner of the CFTC visited Ripple's offices, then traveled to London to meet with the Bank of England to discuss a CBDC and cryptocurrency. XRP must have been part of the discussion. And we already know that they're working with the Digital Pound Foundation because we covered that like three or four times last week. The connections are here. Gonzo, check out this. Bank of England working on a CBDC. Now the CFTC is over there after meeting with Ripple. Could this be something? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, I, I know we're making a big inference here, but um, like we always talk about here, it's it's all about relationships, right? It's the same reason why we got so bullish on the... Um, the CBDC for, I think it was Australia, right? It was a guy that used to work at Ripple, right? And then you just have these guys, they continue to build these partnerships, not like around the world, right? They're, they're, they're a global company. Uh, and again, it just makes me super bullish on the company Ripple. 
uh, and then just XRP because they continue to build these relationships and they're going to continue to build these use cases. And just like Andrew was talking about the XRP ledger, we're, we're just starting out. Like we don't even have smart contracts yet. Right. XLS 20, um, they found uh, a bug in it and they're fixing it. So we haven't even gotten that yet. And that's just going to be huge when you talk about the tokenization of assets. Right. Um, and so it, it's just them doesn't surprise me. It's just them continuing to build relationships uh, and a use case for their company. And Andrew, I want to remind our listeners that back in 2018, Ripple had already signed up with over 380 financial institutions around the planet, and the majority of those were central banks. So can you imagine the connections that we don't even know about? I'd like to get some of your thoughts. Why do you think the commissioner of the CFTC met with Ripple just one day before traveling to London and discussing CBDCs? Yeah, you know, there is so much at stake. There is, there is so much uh, interaction or need, needs to be built and, 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 and connections. And that, that's what, what, what yeah, the, you, you know who you are uh, or you are who you know. And given that, I have so much respect for, the, for Brett Garlinghouse that he knows so many people. And always he is relaxed. He is smiling. It, it looks like he, everything is under control. And you cannot wish for such a company a better guy than this guy. Uh, yeah, I, I, I appreciate him very much. And he's making waves. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, you know, as far as the uh, CFTC, you know, it seems like they're doing it the right way. They're going out there, meeting with these companies and getting educated, right? Straight from the source. And that is, that is the right way to do things, right? It's not um, regulation by enforcement. It's going out and getting educated and understanding what these technologies are and what they do to better understand how to regulate them so that um, you're not crushing them, that you're helping them grow. That's what they're supposed to be doing, but they're not. And something that's really unique happening today is that for the first time in a very long time, America is hindering innovation. Typically, America would be a place where new ideas would come and flourish. Now they're being exported out of this country due to regulators like the SEC. And I guess the CFTC would also be included in that conversation. We got 238 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. You think we're done with the Ripple XRP talk for today. You would be wrong because we have a major update from the lawsuit. And the the main lawyer for Ripple... As the Ripple's general counsel, Stuart Alderati, explains what they need to get a settlement. This clip is only 15 seconds. We're going to let this play and get some comments from the group. Here we go. This case settles if the SEC makes clear that Ripple sales and distributions of XRP and XRP's trading in the secondary market does not constitute a security. And that's what we need to see the end of this lawsuit. Gonzo, back in 2013 and 2014, Ripple actually distributed XRP, but there's really no other way to distribute your technology, right? Like, how are you supposed to get that currency out into the world without distributing it? What do you think about the, t- the allegations of XRP being a security? Is the SEC ever going to admit that this is a crypto token, a digital asset, and not a security? Well, you could already tell from the paperwork when they did the summary judgment thing um, they did not inherently call XRP a security. That's why we, I think we got some of that pro- positive price action. They went after Ripple for marketing it as a security, right? Uh, and this has been, um, uh, what's his name's argument the whole time? The lawyer, uh, Fred, Coach JV's friend that was on there. Oh, John Deaton. John Deaton, yeah. John Deaton's argument the whole time that um, that the SEC really, really hurt investors when they're there to protect them because they could have gone after uh, Ripple and just said, hey, look, what you guys did at the beginning was a security, but the secondary sales are not, 
right? And so they could have just left it as is, gone after them, had them pay a fine or whatever, while the secondary sales were not securities and it wouldn't have affected the investors. But when they went in with the lawsuit, it was all included. And that's the biggest thing that's hurt us is that secondary sales are considered a security. That's the clarity as investors that we need, right? That we're going to get so that anything that we buy and sell after that is not considered security. Um, and, and that's been yeah. the biggest knock against the SEC is that they're there to protect us, but they really just hurt us, right? Uh, what was it? 14 billion was lost after the SEC filed a lawsuit. I think that's a statistic that flies around. Um, so, yeah. And it really is unbelievable. Ripple's already spent over $100 million defending themselves against the SEC. And I'm sure that bag is going to continue to grow. But Andrew, I'd like to get some closing remarks here. I'm going to pull up a pretty interesting video breaking down exactly why XRP is set to change the world. But before we do that, let's talk about the lawsuit a little bit. Just Ripple's general counsel, whether it's Brad Garlinghouse or many of the employees who have been working with this company, are coming out now and making definitive statements against regulators. They're making definitive statements against the SEC, and that's very new. Why do you think that all of these different, um, I guess, uh, people who are included within the lawsuit are coming out and making bold statements now? Is there a resolution on the horizon? Um, yeah, I think so. I think 2022 is is the year of a lot of fuss and uh, and a lot of uh, um yeah arguments back and forth and i i actually expect that maybe somewhere by the by the end of the year early next year we will get some some resolution so that that it can grow uh then then we also will have seen the the suppression of all the crypto so we will we will have seen more or less a bottom and then and it maybe will will continue the 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 the, the crypto into 2023 but from there i actually expect a little bit going up and yeah has it to do with with the stars like uh like what is above says or you know after, after a while some things must change you cannot you cannot uh continue over and over and over again the same narrative it, it should stop somewhere and and, and people get impatient and, and that's good that is good. And we're about to show our listeners a very cool update. Andrew, sorry, I got stuck on the mute button there. Why do I hold XRP? So this was a video circulating on Twitter from this weekend talking about how XRP has the connections to change the world. And I feel like the highlight highlighted theme of this episode is it's not what you know, it's who you know. And Rip, they know the largest players on the planet when it comes to payments. So this, this is a longer clip. It's about two minutes, but I promise our listeners are going to be happy when they watch this thing. Let's let this clip play and get some comments from our group. Here we go. Because Ripple's the chosen one to lead the new global digital payment system, and they use XRP. In 2013, the Federal Reserve began looking for faster payments options. Two years later, an action plan was born and a federal payments task force was created. It included one company focused on crypto, Ripple. In 2014, the World Bank and Better Than Cash Alliance, which includes the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Clinton Global Initiative, and the governments of 32 countries put out a report called The Opportunities of Digitizing Payments. One year later, the Better Than Cash Alliance featured one crypto company on their website, Ripple. Today, So that was very quick. I do want to pause it there and just give our listeners a little time to digest that information. What they showed is that there was a council for payments for the future of global payments created. And some of the connections in there were Bill and Melinda Gates, the Clinton Foundation, some of the largest names in America and on this planet. And the only crypto company included in that agreement was who? Ripple Labs. So with that being said, I want to let the remainder of this clip play and we'll get some more cool information about this project. 
Aid Better Than Cash Alliance and all other UN initiatives are focused on a single agenda, the Sustainable Development Goals for 2030. You can see the SDGs logo on Bill Gates' lapel, world-leading companies, the Better Than Cash Alliance website, and on the UN's official exchange, Exchange. What crypto is Exchange officially utilizing for their carbon credit solution, XRP? Boom. Another place to stop and point things out. The, the, the amount of global partnerships that are involved in creating sustainable development goals. It is the largest companies on the planet. BlackRock, Bill and Melinda Gates, the Clinton Foundation, many Saudi Arabian princes. Everybody is focused on this initiative. And who is the currency that's at the center? That would be XRP. So we're going to let this clip play and, and get some more cool info. The world will move to a new international standard for exchanging electronic messages between financial institutions by 2025 called ISO 20022. Who was the first ISO 20022 member focused on distributed ledger technology? Ripple, who's partnered with over 300 financial institutions, including Bank of America, American Express, PNC, Santander, SBI, HSBC, Standard Chartered Bank, Bank of England, India, Singapore, Scotland, Australia, and Indonesia, the largest banks in Japan, Canada, Egypt, the Middle East, United Arab Emirates, Thailand, Morocco, Bhutan, South Korea, Brazil, and Latin America. Ripple. And the train has left the station. And as you can see, the next thing he's going to talk about is how formal Ripple advisor Michael Barr is now leading at the Federal Reserve, changing the world of payments. So much information in that really short clip, but we haven't heard from Andrew and Gonzo in quite a while. I'd love to hear from Gonzo first. What do you think about all these connections? People often get so caught up in the lawsuit that they forget about the real information, which is it's not what you know, it's who you know. And Ripple knows the largest players in this market. What's it mean to you, Gonzo? Yeah, I mean, what what a great video, right? I know it's floated around like the YouTube and, and Twitter and stuff like that, but it does do a great job of summarizing what we've been talking about, right? The use case and then the partnerships, right? I, I keep going back to the same thing. And, and it's what um, the ex-CEO of Google talked about, and it's about the adoption, right? Um, you could have the best tech in the whole world, but if no one's using it, then nobody knows about it. Nobody's using it. What is it good for, right? So we're talking about, really good tech. And now we're talking about adoption, right? People are using it. They're building these relationships because they're building the railways and the corridors to send money back and forth, right? Now we actually still need the liquidity to come in and that's going to come in over time. But the first thing that needs to happen is the SEC lawsuit resolved. It gets listed again. We get the price pump and then they start to build or continue to build relationships, open it up in the US. And I mean, I could see this thing five, 10 years down the road. And it's why I would say, if you talk to everybody that's here in our community, our biggest holdings are probably XRP, right? And, and I, this is I why. Love, yeah, and I love how they brought up the ISO compliant tokens as well. Whether it's XRP, right. we talk about that list, that short list I think is gonna be so important over the next decade. Andrew Cashflow, I'd like to get your thoughts on this. When they brought up all the banks that are connected to Ripple, there's literally a central bank in every corridor of the planet that is connected to RippleNet, and of course, that means XRP. We also covered how the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, as well as the Hillary Clinton Foundation, have their ties and the Rockefellers. So some of the largest names on the planet, even for the people who don't know, what does that mean to you, Andrew? What can we anticipate from this crypto? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is a fantastic project, you know, and there is so much money to gain. Imagine if you want to send money nowadays from 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 one country to another country in different currencies, they have to stack up that currency somewhere in that other country. That will everything, all that currency will be released because of the intermediary currency, which is called XRP. And this is called on-demand on liquidity, flowing flowing money, like flowing music, flowing uh, stream, streaming music, streaming video, streaming money. And it and it's logical. I can send a picture to you to the other side of the world, 
and I cannot send money to you uh, immediately in seconds to you. So, and that's what Ripple is building. And all those banks, they all understand the amount of money that can be released, which is, which is all, all everywhere in, in the world and make the process so much more efficient. It's, it's, it's insane and if efficient and, and fast. So, yeah, you know, let those guys just do their thing. We watch from the sideline. We invest so now and then. And we and what Skondo says, maybe in 10, 10 years, we will, we will uh, make our money. We will be crypto millionaires. Make that billionaires, Andrew. And we got a good comment here that said spooky names. Yes, these are some spooky names, but I feel like these are the players who typically win in the market. And it's not that we agree with their sentiment. It's that we understand they're most likely going to achieve their goals so we may as well profit off of that process. We got 236 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We got so much XRP-related news for today, but I want to get XRP. I want to get some closing thoughts from Gonzo while I pull up our next article. XRP has been the centerpiece of the crypto market, and we've talked about how it's going to create regulation for the entire space in the future. One last closing remark in regards to the lawsuit. What are you anticipating with people like Rosie Rios, Brad Garlinghouse, and everyone becoming so adamant that they are in the right what are you anticipating over these next couple months? And I don't mean settlement or anything like that. I just mean, is there going to be a day when the SEC admits that this lawsuit should have never been filed? Um, you know, I, that's a good question, Abs. I, I, I'm not sure. You know, I, I don't think so. Maybe at some point in the future, when they look back at history, there might be when there's enough separation, like maybe the next generation of commissioners, they might look back like maybe how we look back at the Howie test, right? And say, hey, in hindsight, maybe that wasn't the best idea to bring up that lawsuit, but I don't see them uh, admitting that anytime soon, right? And there's a reason uh, I asked that question, Gonzo. I don't. I was playing dumb almost because in our next okay. article, we are going to highlight how Iremit, which is a private jet company, was not even asked to get involved and filed to get involved in this lawsuit because Ripple does not pay Iremit to use its ODL or XRP. Iremit actually uses XRP as a settlement currency in their system. So basically, if you want to play for a private jet, they'll let you pay with their XRP in the same way that you could use US dollars. That in and of itself makes it not a security according to the Howey test. But I'm not a secu- I'm not a lawyer for the SEC, so maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Andrew, I'm not sure if this is news to you, but what do you think about Iremit choosing to get involved not even being asked by Ripple and showing that XRP is a currency. Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic. This really means utility for a company and says, hey, come on, guys, we want to do business. This is innovation for us. We want to do it. And what I would love to see another 10, 15, 20, 100 companies stating the same. We are using this technology and we want to go ahead. Gary, please go away. And 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 give us room to grow. That that's that's what we need need to go to. Yes, and Iremit is actually a cross-border payment company. I messed up. I confused my articles there. So Iremit is also getting involved, talking about how XRP can be used for cross-border settlement. Then we had another company, which is Jet Amicus, who filed a brief to state that you could pay for their private jet rides using XRP. Gonzo, I'm going to pull that article up. What are some of your thoughts? Yeah, it's a uh, it's called an amicus amicus it's amicus brief, and basically like they're a friend of the case, and basically uh, they wrote basically saying how uh, if XRP was a security, how would it affect their business? And that Tapjet company, because they're kind of twenty four seven, they have issues as far as like bank wire tri- transfers, money showing up, 
And so because you're booking a flight and need to fly right away, can't wait for that money to catch up. So they use XRP because it's immediate. It's 24 seven. Um, and so they wrote it up. And, and like they said, um, they're, they're not paid by, by Ripple to do that. They're doing that because they use it into their business model, right? And it would affect them. Same thing that happens with Iremit, where they use um, XRP to send money, right? And then they were using it. We did the article, I think a couple of weeks ago, or maybe last week, where they're, where they're scaling up even more and using XRP to leverage like their treasury, right? Um, so um, I think this is all positive for, for, the, um, for the lawsuit. Um, I think it goes back to your previous question, Abs, where you said, why, why do you think that they feel more comfortable to be now making comments? Um, I think it's because they feel confident, right? Uh, now, I, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know if there's like some certain things that they can't talk about, or sometimes there are gag orders, um, and maybe that was lifted, so or enough times passed so they can talk about it, or they just feel very confident, right? Maybe they've been quiet for a very, very long time and they're feeling confident that they're about to win this case. And so they're, they're uh, being more uh, forthcoming or, or being more comfortable talking about it. Thanks, Gonzo. And I want to read this next quote before we go to Andrew Cashflow. So let me get my stuff together here and get my information straight. TapJets has submitted a brief that claims 43% of TapJets customers voted for XRP as a choice of currency to pay for their flights. The company has willingly accepted XRP without any coercion from Ripple and adopted the technology to facilitate financial payments. This goes against what the SEC is stating here. And I get it. They're talking about back in 2013, they had to distribute. But XRP is clearly not a security at the state it exists in today. I'd love to get some thoughts from Andrew, and then we'll continue. Yeah, you know, I, I think when if I would have the possibility to look deep in his heart from, from Gary Gensler, I think he must agree, but he there is there are egos playing, and there, there should be a solution built that both parties can say we won this case, and they are looking and, and, and figuring it out how to do it. And you can you can do that by, by delaying stuff, and maybe a solution will come up. Um, yeah, how long can he uh, continue? Uh, what also can be a possibility, maybe by the end of the year, uh, Gary Gensler leaves the SEC and, and somebody else will take over. And that will also bring possibilities to, uh, to, to, to go into other directions. So we, 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 we just have to wait. But if we see that, that, that XRP is growing, and especially also with these companies, like, like a, an airplane company, yeah, fantastic. You know, I think after the midterm elections, you know, Andrew brings up a good point. Uh, you know, uh, if it goes the other way, uh, you know, he might be looking for a new job, right? You're, you're getting more and more bipartisan support of crypto and these crypto regulations and these bills that are being written and, and more and more people in Congress that are speaking against him. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if he's out of a job next year, right? Uh, especially like I, I'm leaning into like spring of next year that we finally get the resolution at some point between now, but I'm thinking next year, but yeah. uh, I, I think he might end up being out of a job and I then we'll see who they put in. I and, and that is not a, not a bad thing, you know, because yeah. he delayed the whole crypto stuff for two years. And what did we win with that? That at least a lot of people had the time to, to wrap yep. their head around crypto and Bitcoin and XRP and stuff. So, yeah. you know, we are all human beings and we have to learn and they, we, people need to teach others and 
and, and to understand the whole space. So in the end, maybe not everybody would agree with me, but maybe he did a good job to, to delay the whole stuff, just to give the world the time to understand. And I think it's one of those things where it's, you don't shoot the messenger, right? Anybody who's been in this market for the past two years knows that when Gary Gensler leaves, another Gary Gensler is going to fill his spot. It's not like when Gary Gensler gets removed from the SEC, the SEC is going to be this beautiful place that follows all the rules and guidelines. We saw it with Jay Clayton. When Jay Clayton left the SEC, everybody was excited that Gary Gensler was going to come in and he knew so much about XRP and he worked at MIT or he had taught there. It's all once he, once he get into office, they don't get to choose what they're doing. It's who's putting money in their pocket, and you can clearly see how they're going to regulate this market going forward. But before we dive into some more XRP news, we got 242 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Thank you for being here. Hopefully, we can provide some value and show you exactly why XRP is going to defeat the SEC, not a financial advisor, not financial advice, of course. We are showing a list that I showed a couple of times last week, but I want to continue to highlight Eight use cases for XRP, the currency, and these eight UK use cases are what separate XRP from other securities in this market. So you are able to execute Forex trading. There's an escrow, real-time growth settlement, payment and goods, peer-to-peer -peer purchases, central bank IOUs, digitalized exchanges, and online voting. The list goes on and on. Andrew Cashflow, we didn't get your comments last week on this. I'd love to hear some thoughts. What is the SEC going to say when this list is put in front of their face? <laughs> yeah, they both, yeah, I always have to laugh about it, you know. It's 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 going on and on and on, and and as you see, yeah, it, it's something like we have a saying in the Netherlands: when two dogs fight uh, about a bone, the third dog will run and, and and take the bone. I mean, they are so busy with themselves that reality will just just uh, 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 yeah, continue and, 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 and progress. And after a while, if all these, these, these functionalities appear, what are we still talking about? Nonsense. That's what we're talking about. We're talking you, about people. <laughs> Go ahead, Gonzo. <laughs> I was going to say, you know what I'm, I, I get excited about? I get excited about I, the stuff that hasn't even been created yet, right? The stuff that's still coming. Like I said, we don't even have smart contracts yet. So like when you compare of like where Ethereum's at, right? And how long it's been around or how long it's had smart contracts. You see Cardano now growing, right? Since they had their smart contracts. That's what makes me excited. Once we get XLS20D, what people in the space will create and what we get from that. That's what I get excited about. Gonzo, uh, you brought we're, up smart we're so, contracts. so early. Yeah. Check this out. Smart contracts coming to XRP. We've got a Flare Network update for our listeners. As the key distribution of this token is going to take place between October 24th and the 6th of November. And people often ask, why is this flare update so important? Well, it's going to bring DeFi to the XRPL. Gonzo, I'd love to kick it back to you. What are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, you know, we've been waiting for this for a long time. I had that little side bet with Salman with, uh, that was months and months ago ago where uh, he bet that flare was going to come out first. I said the merge, I guess I won out. But it's super exciting for flare. And people have been waiting for this for a long time. I know Johnny gets upset and he's like, ah, he doesn't pay attention to it anymore. I wasn't part of the initial airdrop. Um, but, um, I, I did look into flare and I think the reason it's taken so long is cause I kind of pivoted and they're doing a whole thing with their tech, right? The way that they bridge, um, the blockchains is very unique. And we know that a lot of the times where these hacks happen, they happen in the bridge, right? And so their bridge is something called, um, layer cake. 
Um, and it's very specific to them. And I think that's why it's taken this long is because they're making sure that they're getting the tech right. And so in this game, in cryptocurrency, it's better to be patient and roll these things out right. When you're talking about the DeFi space, you're talking about a lot of money that's going to get locked up, right? TVL. And so you want to make sure that you're doing it right so that you don't get one of these hacks. And then people, you lose millions, if not billions of dollars, and then the project goes under, right? Um, so it's exciting that it's finally coming out, but it's going to bring a lot of attention and a lot of money into, uh, into the ecosystem. Thank you, Gonzo. And this is an interesting stat I wanted to show our listeners. JP Morgan has been manipulating gold for over a decade, a commodity with a market cap of over $10 trillion. There's no conspiracy theory. JP Morgan has paid hundreds of millions of dollars in fines to the SEC for this exact reason, yet people still think it's a, it's a conspiracy theory that the XRP price is manipulated. We're only at $18 billion in market cap. It would take much less liquidity to manipulate the price. I'm not going to ask you guys whether to take a definitive statement and say whether it is manipulated, but I'd like to say, is it possible? Do you believe it's possible that these crypto markets are totally manipulated, whether it's by big banks or algorithms? Gonzo, starting with you. Oh, 100%, bro. Like, it's an algorithm. Like, you just have to look at it. 100%, it's, um, it's manipulated, right? The whales move it, right? Depending on which crypto we're dealing with or what's going on. That that's a form of manipulation, right? They're they're moving the liquidity in and out that's affecting the price, right? All you have to do sometimes is, is if you watch the charts or you watch like an order book and you watch a short squeeze happen, right? When they're liquidating, when you see these news stories that we bring to you guys where shorts uh, shorts get liquidated or longs get liquidated, that's that's all manipulation, right? We're a very very new asset class. We're not like the stock market. That's a little bit more stable, but I'm sure there's even, I'm not a stock guy, so I don't want to misquote, but I'm sure there's some type of manipulation that goes in there, but we're very, very early on in our, in, in the asset class. So there's absolutely manipulation. All you have to do is watch a chart and then see how it plays out. And Gonzo, I want to show our listeners, if you look at the crypto market, pick any day of the year and you're going to see insane similarities between each crypto project. I mean, these are supposed to be individual projects, supposedly individual securities, according to the SEC. But this market moves the exact same way every single day. These projects fluctuate at the same rate. If that's not evidence of, of a controlled market, I'm really not sure what is. But Andrew Castle, I'd like to get some closing remarks. What do you think about this market being controlled? We've seen it with gold. I, I would say fantastic. The more volatility we see, the better. Because with volatility, you can make money. And what does it mean? It means you need a strategy, a strategy. So you have to ask yourself before you go in, why do I go in? Why do I go in at this price? Uh, how much money do I spend? And if it goes a little bit lower, how much more money do I spend? When do I sell? And if you can answer these questions all by yourself, then you did your homework. And that means you understand your own strategy. And I would say, Come to the 3T Academy where we teach all these kinds of strategies and all these kinds of things so that at least that you can place the correct orders. What is it? Is it the limit order? Is it the stop order? Is it a, a market order? When do you do what? That kind of questions. And not because everybody on, on YouTube is, is screaming, oh, it goes to the moon. Then it is already to the moon and it can only go down. So you will burn your fingers. So, but if you know about the particular project, which is a good project, then have your strategy ready, be patient, and just wait till the price comes to your entry point. 
Yeah, I retreated something uh, about that this morning about like smart money and dumb money. And and smart money right now is accumulating, right? That's what the the, the on-chain data shows. And smart money, uh, or I'm sorry, what they call dumb money is panicking, right? They're panicking. They're listening to all this macro stuff, the Fed meeting today, you know, the banks going insolvent and they're freaking out and they're selling while smart money is accumulating, right? And then in the next bull run, that's when smart money sells out. And then dumb money tries to FOMO in. And so you got to go the opposite of that, right? You got to break yeah. that. Love to break. I'd love to break this question down because somebody in the live chat is asking something pretty important. I think there's a lot of people wondering this. How much chaos do you think the dollar collapse will cause? Will it be a seamless transition? I mean, I would think absolutely not. It will not be a seamless transition. And when you talk about how much chaos it could cause, it really depends on what happens in a global front. If we end up going to war with Ukraine, if that plays a major role in the reason that we turn the printing press back on, Things could turn out drastically different than if we let these markets collapse. If we see a big banking institution go under like we did in 2008, there's many different case scenarios that could play out. But one of the things I will predict is that the, the transition is not going to be seamless. There's, there's going to be a catalyst and they always move these markets through fear. Typically, there'll be some sort of a black swan event, right? And then they'll migrate us over into these digital assets. That's kind of what I'm anticipating. Hopefully, I answered some of your questions. Gonzo or Andrew or Gonzo, any quick thoughts? We'll start with Gonzo. Um, I was just going to say, um, I mean, just look at the strength of the dollar right now out of all the fiat currencies, it's doing the best. So I still think uh, we're a ways away from that, right? If you follow um, uh, Waters Above, right? He talked about this. Did you guys free? Can you guys hear me? Mm-hmm. Oh, that oh was I weird. think I lost him. All right. Andrew okay, Cashflow, jump yeah. right in while Gonzo's laptop connects again. Um. Am I back? Oh, you don't know what. Go ahead. Are you <laughs> back? Was your question? Yeah, I was just gonna say, yeah. So what he was talking, what he talks about is that, like, he's he was talking about this, like he was predicting last year that the dollar was gonna be very strong, when people were saying the dollar was gonna collapse, and and in the Shemitah cycle, the seven year cycle, his prediction is that as we go into the next Shemitah, which is uh, 2028, 2029, it's the dollar that'll come down, and the other currencies will pump up, right? Uh, it'll be an inverse kind of thing. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but I don't think it's anything that's going to happen uh, like anytime real soon. Um, but, you know, we'll definitely keep an eye on it. Andrew, we're showing a chart right now. We showed at the beginning of the episode, what must go up must come down and look at this DXY is severely extended in this market. What are you predicting? If we do see a dollar collapse, is it going to be catastrophic or will it happen smooth? No, that, 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 it will not collapse. It will absolutely not collapse. That, that, I mean, that, that, then everybody should lost the, lost the trust in the dollar at the same time, which will not happen. The central bank will not uh, do that, but it will come down slow, slowly again. Yeah, what is slowly? It went up re- pretty steep and it, it, it will leverage out again after, after a while. And, and can I... Can, do I have my crystal ball that I broke the other day? So I, 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 I cannot tell you what, what will happen. The only thing I know, it, it is what it is, accept it. And there is always something good in it. And what is good in it is at this moment, Bitcoin is suppressed because, and, and other currencies, cryptocurrencies, because of the high dollar. So take advantage of that. Awesome. And we're showing our listeners a brand new update from Tesla as they unveiled their AI robot called Optimus yesterday. 
This is pretty cool, and this is a foundational step. It kind of freaks me out. Something about seeing a robot move like a human, it just makes me a little bit uncomfortable. Maybe it's my subconscious mind knowing what's coming. But Gonzo, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts. This bot, it's only going to be $20,000. Right now, it has really low functionality. Andrew was making jokes before. This thing can water your flowers. That's pretty much the most it can do at this point. But we are seeing more humanoid robots. What do you think of this? Does this freak you out? Yeah, a little bit. You know, I mean, it, right now it's a $20,000 toy and I'd rather put $20,000 into XRP, right? <laughs> than a toy. Undoubtedly. Um, but yeah, dude, it's it's creepy. Like if you if you play this thing out like to the future, right? 10, 30, 40, whatever it is, like is there that transition point where these things get self-aware and we have the whole Terminator situation? I think me and you will be long gone after that. But, you know, for the next generations, it does feel a little creepy, bro. I'm not going to lie. And it is interesting to see that if this is what exists today in 2022, fast forward a decade, fast forward two decades, can you imagine how real and identical these humanoid robots are going to be to actual humans? There's no face on this thing, and I think they did that for good reason, but we already have technology that can move robots' faces basically indistinguishable from a real human. Andrew, you're looking at the future. How does it make you feel? You know, there is always a good side and a bad side, and I know even then people have, have a dog or, uh, or, or a doll or even older people who are lonely and they can really find some, some, some company with, with this kind of technology, but also people who need help with, with putting on special socks or, you know, these kind of robots can really help and do that kind of work. Would I prefer to have it done by human beings? Yeah, actually I would. However, if there are no human beings available to do that work and we can let it do by a robot, yeah, why not? Why not just do it? But yeah, can you do a lot of weird things because there will also be becoming combat robots and, uh, and, and, and killer robots and, you know, so that, yeah. that's the military part of, of the story. And that, that's creepy. That's, uh, it's scary. And I'd love to add something to this because, Andrew, we already passed an hour. I didn't even recognize that. But one of the things that comes to mind is that every single day there is more technology doing the thinking and doing the work of human beings. And the only way that we can integrate with this technology is if we inevitably connect ourselves to the Internet. And anybody who wants to study something pretty cool, there's a concept called brain net, which is where our thoughts become seamlessly integrated with the internet, but they have to use a uh, technology like Neuralink, which is something that exists today. Anybody who wants to kill some time this afternoon, check out BrainNet. But we're going to close this thing off the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Gonzo. Thank you to Andrew Cashflow. And thank you to the 205 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button on the way out of here. Because Johnny Crypto's not here, I can't find the outro music. So we're just going to end this thing like we always do. Warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Let's go.